The Book Thingo podcast is a lively discussion about romance books, culture, and the Sydney Writers Festival. This is episode 35 featuring Danielle Binks, Lauren Anderson, Rudy Bremer, and Gabby in Sydney. Book Thingo would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which this episode was recorded, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We also acknowledge the contribution of Aboriginal Australians to our shared literary heritage. Welcome to the Book Thingo podcast, talking about books we love, especially romance. Kill a fairy fast on the Book Thingo podcast. Welcome back to the Book Thingo podcast. I'm Kat Mayo from bookthingo.com.au, an Aussie blog for romance readers. You might have noticed that the podcast has been in a little bit of hiatus, but we're back with a vengeance. I know that last episode I mentioned that the next interview would be with Courtney Milan, but we're interrupting our scheduled programming to recap some of our highlights from the Sydney Writers Festival. But today I'm joined by four fabulous ladies, Rudy Bremer, our audio producer, Danielle Binks, literary agent, editor of the young adult anthology Begin and Begin, and blogger at alpharita.blogspot.com, Lauren Anderson, who is an avid reader and works with the Australian Society of Authors and Rudy's former housemate, and Gabby. We have just been to Koi Dessert Bar, so it's possible that we're on a sugar high. I hope you won't hold that against us. You can find information on all the books we talk about in this episode by going to bookthingo.com.au slash podcast and clicking on episode number 35. Okay, so we have a relatively bigger panel this episode, we have Danielle Binks, Lauren Anderson, Gabby, Rudy, and myself here together after having brunch, a very sugar-laden brunch. So we're going to talk about the Sydney Writers Festival. There are one, two, three, four, five of us here. Four out of five actually went to the festival. Who didn't, didn't go? I wonder who it was. Seriously, guys, like how awkward for that person. How I came from Melbourne for it. So So I get the gold star. Um, I was dying of sickness, so that's why I didn't go. So I shouldn't be punished. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. So, Danielle, you actually were part of the program this year, the YA Day at Parramatta. All day YA, yeah. All day YA. It was the first time, I believe, in Parramatta at the Riverside Theatre. And it was amazing. It was fantastic. They had food trucks for all the teens. They had signing queues that went for about an hour. It was, it was incredible and it was nice. At first, there was a bit of a feeling of we were being shuffled aside because we were writing for young adults and teenagers and they didn't want us to mess up their, their lovely, pristine literary main program. But actually, it was the best place for it. And I think what the best part of it was, was that all of the uh, writers could just mingle amongst the teenagers and they could just be approached and have a chat with them. And they really appreciated that sort of laid back atmosphere. It was fantastic. Well, Lauren, you went as a participant. Is that is that just my lying? Am I just hyping it so that Sydney Writers Festival invite me back next year? And I would very much like to chair again next year. Thank you, Sydney Writers Festival. Though I should point out that I didn't actually go to the Parramatta venue. I was a little like stuck in my ways. I'm used to it being at Walsh Bay, and then I was like, oh, Parramatta. Unfortunately, I was a standard Sydney cider where I was like, oh, too far. But I did go to a couple of events in the city and around the state library and. It's quite enjoyable this year, so I would have liked to have seen the all-day YA, but fortunately not this time. I didn't go to the all-day YA, but I went to the 25th anniversary of Looking for Ali Brandy. Yeah, uh, so, so, did so did I. Yeah. So did I. <laughs> I missed I it. It was actually fantastic. 
Um, so the format of that um, session was that they they tried to recreate the um, Have Your Say Day. Yeah, that was uh, that Jacob a scene in the book. Yeah, yeah, mm. um, which was and- actually at, at Sydney Opera House, but they couldn't. I'm thinking Sydney Opera House was a little bit expensive for Sydney Writers Festival, so they did it at uh, Welsh Bay in um, a, a sort of loft, and it was beautiful. Actually, it was a really nice venue for it, and they had a number of speakers that sort of stood up and just spoke. I think one was sort of more like a poetry kind of structure. Um, Jen, whose last name escapes me now, but I'll put it in the show notes, talked about what it was like to live in the house. Jeffrika. Jeffrika? Jen. Jen Fricka. Jen Fricka. Yeah. Fricka. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, what? This is reminding me of Gwyneth. <laughs> Shut up. English is not my first language and I have trouble with names oh. all, right? As I said earlier, every time. Kat was literally too smart for her ESL class, so she's actually not allowed to claim that she's an ESL student. Look, I was just there for baked apple. <laughs> You mooch. You mooch. Anyway. Sorry. Pia Miranda was there. I got a photo with her. I saw. I got a photo with Josie Elabrandi. She was so lovely. I think she posed for quite a lot of photos. But I also, before the 25 years of looking for Elabrandi, I know that uh, Pia and Melina Marquetta were involved in a Women of Letters event where they both got up and sort of read out letters to one another I think and I and I believe Pia Miranda said that she knows that when young girls approach her and talk about the movie they're really talking to Melina through her mm-hmm. so she was very kind at the old uh, at the all day oh sorry at the have a say day uh 25 years of looking for Alabrandi she was very kind she signed books and she posed for photos and I think she got you know squealed at that Josie Alabrandi. I certainly squealed in her face. It's Josie Alabrandi. So she was very patient and very kind. Actually, she was on a TV series called Time of Our Lives. Yes. And I just couldn't get Josie Alabrandi out of my mm. mind when I was watching her. But also, I didn't realize that the film is actually really difficult to get hold of outside of Australia. Is what? it really? It's from Stan here. Yeah. Here, yeah. 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 Right. Well, don't other people have access to Stan? I'm like, to Australian Stan? Wow, so stupid. I also think, I think recently, like Melinda's done a lot of interviews about looking for Alabrandi in the movie recently because they're obviously celebrating it. And I love that at one point she pointed out that it was up for an AFI award against Chopper. And everyone thought Chopper was going to win. And in the end, he got his ass kicked by like a 17-year-old girl from Sydney, school girl from Sydney storyline. And I just love that. Yeah, it's an amazing story. I feel like it's one of the most iconic ones that just it's so relatable. It's so mm. relatable. The story's great, but also the movie is particularly oh, great because so you're just good. like, oh, I've been there, look mm. at that. And it's just, uh, it, I find that, everybody watches mm. it just for nostalgia of like high school and also just, I don't know, it's really well located. All yes. of the scenes are just. Mm. I point out, it's oh. a great movie, even though it's got Matthew Newton in it. That's amazing. <laughs> but oh, I was yeah. talking to YA author Kim Kane about this recently and she was saying that she thought looking for Ella Brandy and the character of Josie Alabrandi was our equivalent of like Molly Ringwald in the eighties yeah. or Winona Ryder in reality bites. Yeah. Like she encapsulates a certain time period in Australia that, for us. Yeah. That really makes sense. Cause I'm a bit fancy and I went to the, ready. And I went to, I went to the launch like, of Sydney oh Writers Fest. So yeah. like I, I found mm. out what the program was going to be before, before everyone else. <laughs> Do you know what? Are you guys right? Having your own aside? <laughs> It's true, though, so fuck you. (laughs) You get an E for explicit. (laughs) I'm going to 
edit this out where they make fun of me. <laughs> and everyone's just going to be really cool with the idea of me being fancy. This is why as a producer, was the worst idea. I'm telling you right now, in front of her, worst idea. Could I keep offering no. to teach her to edit Please, so that she has some control over this. You're doing great, Rudy. Oh You're Danielle. doing wonderfully. You're how are you fancy? Favorite. Tell me. Tell me yeah. how you are fancy. <laughs> I went to the program launch of the Sydney Writers Fest and but it was this it was this moment of when they announced that they were going to be doing the 25 years of looking for Ella Brandy like you could hear the gasps go through the room yeah. and this is like the people that are attending that sort of thing they're not who you would expect to be so invested yeah but yeah, it just it resonates with everyone. Actually, I haven't bought tickets to see Sydney Writers Festival events for years and years and it was when Rudy tweeted that that I decided that I would buy tickets this year. Mm. This is the first time I've bought tickets to anything at Sydney Writers yeah. Fest. Because, Same here. Is it because you hate Sydney Writers Fest? Why, <laughs> why don't you? No comment. Just why as a reminder, Gabby was the one who wrote the open letter to Sydney Writers Festival about having no romance <laughs> in the no, program, oh. which by the way until now still resonates with romance readers. So yeah. excellent no, it, piece. I think it continues to resonate. I'm still... I'm still frustrated by the lack of romance representation at Sydney Writers Fest. The reason I bought tickets this year is because they had more conversations about representation of race and and cultural diversity. The one thing that I'm actually kicking myself that I missed was the sweatshop, the sweatshop panel. Did you guys... Which one was that? Sweatshop about the Western Sydney, right? Oh, um, yeah. Literacy movement. Yeah. They work um, with Western Sydney hmm. youth in an attempt to get you know, get those voices, a platform. And the, I think he's the curator or the director of Sweatshop. His name's Michael Muhammad Ahmed, and he's just absolutely incredible. He's written this uh, long-form essay called Lebs and Punchbowl Prison, and it's one of the most incredible and accurate but, like, thought-provoking essays that you could ever read about life in the Western suburbs and what school looks like in the Western suburbs, I would recommend it to everybody. But apparently there was a bit of controversy around that um, session because a lot of the kids who were featured in the anthology that they were launching weren't allowed in to the room because it was full. They had them in this tiny little room and they wouldn't let them in. Oh, that's poor planning. It is, isn't it? So people had to stand up, like audience members stood up and sacrificed their seats so that these high school kids could go in and get their kind of claim to fame. So no one went to that. That's also really, I think that's really fantastic as well because you've got to wonder, like there is always a certain type of person that attends the writers festivals mm. and you've got to wonder what happens when they can no longer attend for various reasons you have to start letting kids and teenagers be welcomed into these spaces which was also why i was a little bit iffy about the all day ya being out in Parramatta. like it would be kind of great if it was part of the main program so if there was something else like teen vogue mm. the editor of teen vogue came along like it would have been great to get kids out to those sessions but i will it's, say it's i went to the i went to the q a with the editor of teen vogue and I think that was probably the youngest audience yeah. demographic that I saw. I mean, I didn't go to all the events, right? Mm. I only went to a handful. But that one and possibly Roxanne Gay's Q&A. Yeah. What, what was the age span? Like how, how young would you say it went? Yeah, Kat, I'm asking you to age people that you don't I don't know, know, but even the people who stood up for the Q&A all mm. skewed young to me. I would teenagers. say under 30. Well, I wouldn't say was, teenagers, mm. but I would say definitely under 30. Mm, okay. Yeah, um, predominantly under 30. There was definitely some peop- some girls there in like school uniforms, mm. so they'd clearly That's come fantastic. from school to That's fantastic. More this. programming for teenagers and teen girls in particular. Yeah. 
again, comes back to more romance. I mean, Melbourne Writers Festival a couple of years ago brought out uh, Tavi Gevinson, Jevinson Gevinson, who writes for Rookie Mag. And that, again, was like a huge audience spectrum of young and old. So more programming like that. And there's a reason why it tends to be young female artists who draw in those crowds that make it a really welcoming space for everyone. One of the one of the disappointing things about it for me, though, was that that was a ticketed event. Like, you did have to pay to see Elaine Welteroth yeah. talk. And I think that there's a lot of people who should have had, I don't know, better access to yeah. her without having to pay. It's and it's, it's disappointing mm. that there wasn't an option, like there wasn't a free option as well. It's, yeah. There was a lot less free events this year, I noticed. And it did, I know a lot of people didn't uh, attend some things just because they're like, I, you know, I want to go, mm. but I can't rush, like I can't justify this price of ticket just for this event. And it was quite disappointing that I saw a lot of people that normally would have attended just yeah. dropped off this year because of that one financial barrier. Well, I think that might be why they are, they did the all-day Y at Parramatta. I suspect they're probably thinking about whether or not it's going to be sustainable to keep having it at Walsh Bay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's hard to access. That's hard to access for, for kids who do live in the western suburbs or, you know, suburbs that aren't, you know, inner city. So it's hard to access even from inner city because of all the road work yeah. down George yeah. Street and it's just, it's impossible to get there. Place I don't know. Walk. I'm from Melbourne. I just get on a tram and I end up where I need to be. <laughs> <laughs> so of all the panels that you guys went to, what were, what were the ones that stood out for you? Roxane Gay was my favourite. I know that you had a, not she's a lot of words in my for... mouth now, so that no, I can't be joyful really and positive she's actually online. Really accurate in how she presents yeah. you, so I wouldn't say she's putting words. <laughs> I wouldn't say she's putting words in your mouth. She's not allowed in any of these panels. Take the wheel, she didn't even come Take to see writers. Excuse me. So, Kat, I know you didn't have a lot of love for the moderator of that event. Yeah, you're nodding because <laughs> that's true. <laughs> But I yeah, but you say it in such an extreme way that isn't really. What was I just didn't find her. As effective as I thought is that, she could have been. Is, can that not be categorised as not, lo- not no, a lot of love? No, it's nothing to do with love. <laughs> can I say good moderators and good chairs? Speaking of someone who's been asked to chair a few sessions it now. It is really hard. It is really hard, but a bad one makes the whole event Oh, just no, she nice. wasn't bad. I wouldn't no. say she was bad. She just, they clearly had a lot of rapport and I thought that she came out with, she had some amazing questions and some amazing mm. insights that kind of, probably wouldn't have been picked up by very many other people. And I really enjoyed the way that she did it. She Look, she she name-dropped a little bit, but also it was it was Roxane Gay talking about dangerous women and women being too much something. So I don't know. I'm not sure that you can... No, my, my, not that you my, did, my main problem really know. was just she talked too much. So I just really <laughs> wanted to hear more from Roxanne. Yeah. And I felt like sometimes... Is this terrible to admit, but I actually had a cat nap (laughs) and I felt so bad because I thought I'm gonna you know when you're having a a quick nap and you just kind of startle out of your seat and I was just so scared that I was going to do that in the middle of this (laughs) no but there's there's nothing worse than a chair that makes it all about them but I don't think that mm. she did and I think that oh she was interesting she was even interesting like but I just didn't want to hear about her. I wanted to yeah, hear exactly. about Roxanne. Yeah. I really shouldn't comment. I wasn't there, so I'm not going <laughs> to throw you somebody under the bus. You thought she was totally I fine. loved it. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, but that's okay. I was pretty much on board because that's the first idea. thing she said when she came out was like, so we've just been backstage talking about The Bachelor. And I was like, yeah, yes. no, you two are my people. Yes. 
I do like that um, the questions she asked Roxanne um, led to really interesting answers because I think Roxanne has been to a lot of interviews and a lot of mm. these sort of panels. It's really difficult to ask her something that hasn't already been yes. asked before or to get her to say something in a way that she hasn't sort of said it before. Very true. And that's, so, and that's not just, you know, what's it like being a feminist in Trump's America? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, this one again? Like it so, must yes, get tiring. And, yeah. and so, like, that was not... Which is awesome, yeah, because yeah. you have to sort of take into account the artist's mental well-being. They don't want to get berated with the same questions that are essentially, you know, how shitty are things right now? Like you can't berate them with that question at every single event. Mm-hmm. Like if, if people want to know the answer, pretty much go look at her Twitter feed. Yeah, yeah and, that's, <laughs> and that's actually what her Twitter feed is all about. Her Twitter feed is always calling out people who are asking her stupid questions. Yeah. And it's like, I am not here to give you a kind of fucking catch cry on every single yeah. political yeah. issue that you want to know uh, point of view on and that's not what i'm here for so like so in that case that how intimidating that. for a chair mm. to, to like look through her twitter feed and see all the questions <laughs> that she doesn't want to be asked and then be like go and share with i do her. love roxanne's face like after <laughs> they ask her a question you can immediately tell from her face yeah. whether she thought that that was a, a, a question yeah. that was worth answering or one that well i, I didn't attend any other panels apart from looking for Ella Brandy. But I can can I just point out, I thought one of the people who presented at 25 Years of Looking for Ella Brandy, who was my absolute favourite, was Brody Lancaster. She spoke about music and how as a teenager she wrote a passionate defence of John Mayer. But now as an adult, she realises that there was a lot of appropriation happening there. And she actually wrote the defence of John Mayer by kind of slamming 50 Cent and saying that John Mayer's music was more worthy than 50 Cent. But now she's got a little bit of perspective and she's looking back and she's kind of critiquing all of the pop culture that she consumed as a teenager and how she thought about it. And I liked what she said so much that I went out and bought her book. It's not out until I think July 25th, but it was on sale at Sydney Writers Festival. It's called No Way, Okay, Fine. And it's just, it's a series of essays about her life in pop culture. And it is so good. I mean, I, I partly love it because she writes about watching Looking for Ella Brandy for the first time and 10 Things I Hate About You for the mm. first time. So it's pop culture as I understand it, very much of my generation. It's such a good book. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is it is essentially a romance of pop culture. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Mm. It is so good. And she so spoke good. so beautifully mm. and she was so damn funny. I mean, anyone that gets up there and says that they used to love John Mayer, my hat's off to them. So brave. This <laughs> is an interesting brave. point because when we went to the Elaine Westeroff panel, there was, it, there was a Q&A and one of the questions was around how you can I think there was a question around how you can succeed in a culture that was sort of male dominated and dominated by older people and one of the pieces of advice she gave was to write and to start a blog and put your name out there Mm. but you know when when you write stuff when you're young and you put it out there for public consumption you know it's not a very forgiving environment for people whose opinions are still developing and I actually wonder whether that creates an atmosphere where young people are tempted to just kind of stick to their guns instead yeah. of being able to develop their ideas more fully. Yeah. They just become really defensive oh. because all these, you know, older people go, oh, no, you're wrong or whatever. Well, it's also why I think things like platforms like Tumblr mm. and fan fiction websites are so popular is because they can actually cloak themselves in a pseudonym and a username. It's like a bit of an, you know, an identity concealer for them and they can sort of use those platforms to just figure things out for themselves. And oftentimes it is around pop culture because that's where you sort of really start to gauge what you like and what you're into. So I'm all for, you know, I think the internet gets a lot of bad rap 
amongst teenagers that they're too long on devices and stuff. But if they're figuring themselves out on Tumblr and they're getting creative by putting their fan art up on Tumblr and sharing it on Instagram and stuff, I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I totally um, agree. Brody also raised a really good point in her session about the idea of guilty pleasures yes. and stuff, and it really ties to youth yes. and female interests. Like, mm. basically, if it's something that white men don't like, it's shamed and it's a guilty pleasure. Yes. So that's why when you think of anything that can be considered a guilty pleasure, it's always based, like, it's targeted for females and it's always for young people. So YA, romance, all these areas just get K-pop. their guilty pleasures. Seriously, and, read like, her book. It was it's so good. Oh, she was so, like, poignant on that one. So it just, yeah, I think Brody really made some excellent points on that one. Um, she was so, she yeah. was, honestly, no way, okay, fine. Please read it. It's such a good, I have been laughing and crying as I read it. And I'm pretty sure that we would be best friends <laughs> if we were to meet in real life. Brody, I'm just going to put it out there. But no, she's been, she's been great. And she was really great in her praise recently of Harry Styles, who with Rolling Stone magazine. Yes, what he said about teenage girls. Yeah, it was amazing. amazing. He yeah. had a kind of dick interviewer who said, how does it feel? just to be appealing to teen girls. And Harry Styles was like, what the hell are you talking about? Teen Harry girls are amazing. Harry Styles has been quite a surprise as a I'm nev- I haven't celebrity. been surprised. No, never. <laughs> I have always known about him and who he is as a person. And as a former directioner, I can <laughs> very it. clearly say that Harry was always the most progressive and the most open and the most understanding. And that's why, like... Rudy sent me an article the other day and she's like, I don't know if you saw this, but Harry Styles doesn't identify as anything in terms of his sexuality. He doesn't oh, like so he doesn't like labels. And I was like, fucking knew it. I fucking called it. I called it. That's so good. Three years ago. Four years <laughs> and ago. I he's it. a bit of a bowie. Really. Yeah. He's a bit of a bowie. But I also appreciate I think Brody said this as well. But uh, I appreciate that he's kind of going through through a bit of a transformation right now as a solo artist, very successfully. Someone that hasn't done that as well is Miley Cyrus, who has recently shared her kind of bad girl persona, Mm. which was a lot of cultural appropriation, really, at the end of the day. And she's now putting out this idea that because she doesn't do drugs anymore and she's in a steady, monogamous relationship with a man, that she's now got clear eyes, full hearts, and it's just bullshit. You know, as though every one of her personas isn't, thoroughly constructed by somebody like a studio executive mm-hmm. and i think i think teen girls can see through that so is it like hyper I'm, I'm a bit disconnected with how miley cyrus is now presenting yourself but is it highly sanitized now uh, yeah if, she's yeah. returned to that sanitized kind of version of herself because even when the hannah like, montana kind of days but maybe not quite as yeah. extreme when i went to her concert i was i because i wanted miley to be this really cool sex positive kind of figure yes. not in this I, I didn't really want her to do the cultural appropriation obviously because that's gross but like i wanted her to be as wild as she was in terms of yeah. the sexual positivity but then when i was was at her concert like when she came here like a year or so ago, she was saying stuff like, this is for all you girls out there who felt a bit weird, you know, when you were like hanging out with your friends and and you just wanted to be a bit weird with them. And she kept referring to like girls having crushes on their best friends as like being weird and being like abnormal and being strange. Like, and she was trying to make it sexy and cute, but it's like, Mm, no, what mm. you're doing is fucked. Like you, you sang a really cool yeah. song about jerking off. That's really, that's really great. Yay, like women, <laughs> yay. But then you just ruined it when you made it seem like girls who have crushes on their best friends are really creepy and predatory. I think mm. it's similar to what Kat was just saying. Like kind of, we're, we're kind of seeing Miley, I don't know how old she is, I think she's like early 20s, but we're kind of seeing her go through these different phases yeah. and be really drugs positive, sex positive in one second and then deciding to flip the script 
and flip the narrative. And it's kind of awkward for us all to see and to see through it. I think it's harder as well when you're a female celebrity. Like if you think of Justin Bieber and all the antics he went through when he was younger, they kind of don't surface as much now. Uh, But you can see that with Miley, with the Kardashians, they'll never hit the end of it. Mm -hmm. Their reputations are held to them. Um, we expect them to be authentic, but when they are true to themselves, we judge them like yeah. a lot. And women are often judged to a different standard, to many more standards than male celebrities. So it's I, I always find it a bit tricky. Well, I think it's it doesn't stop me from judging them <laughs> privately, <laughs> but I'm not going to say it in public. Yeah. I think what you were saying before about teenage teenagers who are kind of experiencing this and sticking to their guns and like sticking to their political views because they have to be staunchly held with them I actually think it's almost silencing it's almost silencing in its effect like are you too scared to say anything because you're scared of all the repercussions that your um, incredible audience is going to have as soon as you post something on the internet it's public so are you worried about how that's going to be perceived? Because I, I know that it can have a silencing effect on me. I know that I don't post a lot of the things that I want to say or that I think throughout the day because I'm worried that it's the wrong thing to say. I'm worried that my understanding of it isn't as complex as someone else's. So, mm. like, we've yeah, spoken about I, this, Rudy, right? I have this same... Mm, my Twitter account used to be way more vocally political when I was... I mean, when I was studying, but now that partly because I'm working and partly mm. because I just, I'm a bit older and, and arguably wiser. I knew um, she was going to say that. I knew. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be I the... thought she was going to say fancier. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I am fancy as fuck. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Title of the episode, please. Oh, yeah. I can't. oh, we're not allowed to have. Well, we can. Fancy. Yeah. Censor it. You got it. Yeah. 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 But you're more political. Where I, yeah, so, you're more so political. it's very – I don't think that my politics actually show up in a in a no-vote way at all on my Twitter account anymore. And I'm a little bit frustrated with myself for letting that happen, but at the same time, like, it just – I also kind of look around and I'm like, other people are saying things better. I don't know. It's like, exhausting it's whole, sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing. Like, I've watched so many people just burn out. Like, you can see why Roxanne's like, I'm not here to educate you. Like, she's probably said it, like, a million times. And also these days it's like you can't have an opinion without your identity being pulled Mm. so much in, uh, like, it gets under attack. Like, I'm thinking of uh, my favourite panellist, actually, at the Sydney Writers' Festival was Yasmin Abdel-Magid. She was wonderful and she made just such an easily, like, just a meaningful comment about how Australians should be better mm. as in we none of us know what the answer is because we just keep on attacking everyone for any opinion because there's just we've got a complicated past <laughs> and no one knows how to fix it and now it's changing the like the face of australia is changing with you know all of the new refugees and our like you know new migrant face as well of australia and she was just saying no one knows the answer let's just be better yeah. and i'm just wondering how like that was when she had the ha- that was her having a say for that panel yeah. and i'm just wondering whether her like she was pulled into the media and just dragged for her anzac day comment um on facebook and i'm just wondering whether she that was her like whether it was related at all because it was just excessive what happened to her and then you know she just comes up says maybe we should just be a little better like it's (laughs) we don't need to have an answer we just need to be better i also really liked um the the other panelist was i can't remember his surname right rajish uh oh yes savanads does yeah um, he's the author (laughs) he's the author of a book called the ruins that's out with um hachette he was amazing as well and his whole thing was about let's just not talk let's just listen 
and let's just sit in silence for a little bit mm. and not feel the need to fill space for the sake of filling space with sound that doesn't it's completely meaningless so i think they i think they all harmonized beautifully on the day and i very much had a bit of a heart swell that this was all melina's doing have a have a say is have a say day a real thing that happens at sydney schools I always assumed it um, kind of was. I've never. I don't know. No, no, I, no, I think it should nice. be. Okay, I, I completely <laughs> think it should. I think Sydney Writers Festival should put on a Have a Say Day every year, but actually get teens school from schools kids. involved. Like, how amazing would That'd that be, be if each school from all over Sydney, like, put forth one of their students who has something to say? Hmm. I think that would be amazing. Sydney Writers Festival, please do that. Please do that. We've been begging them for so long to do so many things. Maybe they'll take that one. Maybe. They listen to this, right? <laughs> I, should I write came an on open this, letter, Danielle. I came on this <laughs> show assuming happens. that it was going to be a direct link to Sydney Writers Festival ears. <laughs> ears. Yes, as you can tell from the excessive romance programming in Sydney Writers Fest, they very much listen to us and our demands. They love looking, eh? Yeah. More romance, more teenagers, and yeah. just to have a say day. Okay, so the theme of Sydney Riders this year was Refuge. How yeah. well do you think they prosecuted that theme based on where... Prosecuted? <laughs> yes. Executed. 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 Okay, <laughs> let's go. Anyway. Refuge. Did, was it a refuge for you? Let me say that oh again. Did no. you laugh all over my no, English as a second original. language oh <laughs> sentence? I'm leaving. I, this is going in uncut. Yeah. Like everything in this. It's just going to be like the one and only raw Except. episode we do. Refuge. Refuge. I do think. Wait, I have to say the sentence again. Oh, okay. oh my God. <laughs> so this year the Sydney Writers Festival's theme was refuge. How well do you think they executed that theme? Well, look. On the one hand, the all-day YA was kind of a little refuge for the teens. They got their own little outpost. They got their own little area to be themselves and express themselves and be amongst themselves. And it was a teen-only space, which is fantastic. So speaking as someone that was present at the all-day YA, I think it was very much a teens-to-the-front kind of ethos, which was really nice to see. Uh, There was a kind of no adults around kind of feeling to it. So that was a refuge for teens. So in that sense, I think they did a really good job. The, the festival is a bit more diverse this year. The voices that were coming up were a little bit more interesting and broader than past years. So I guess in that sense, they achieved it as a bit of a refuge for, you know, opinions and voices and stuff, a bit more of a safe space, I guess, because it wasn't, it was a lot more open than previous years, I thought. It definitely was more open and there was more diversity and... and. <laughs> Oh my god, that was like the mortal sin oh of podcast with Rudy while she was speaking. <laughs> You've actually now been cut from the entire episode. You are no longer in this episode. Okay, I, I wasn't giving my best stuff anyway. <laughs> That's so amazing. Any idea how angry I got? Hang on. One time while we were recording Gabby's phone, which was no, on excuse vibrate. Me. Excuse me, it wasn't me. It was Kat. It on vibrate and it, and it rang at the start. So we had time to start again and I was so, oh, you reckon it was Kat? It was Kat. It's it wasn't mine. No, it was yours. definitely wasn't it mine. Was you. It was yours. I'm on it's airplane mode and everything. I, I just know, because I insisted. Oh. Back to refuge. Back to <laughs> refuge. Sorry, Rudy. <laughs> Well, this is no longer a refuge, so that <laughs> the show is not canceled. not a safe space. Not a safe space. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think it, the whole concept of Sydney Writers Fest, as much as I 
as much as I want to love it and I, I keep trying to love it, it is always exhausting. Like it just, and it's something that I've, I've talked about with a few people kind of particularly this year, that it never, yeah, like it, it still doesn't feel like it's made for someone like me. Like it doesn't feel like it's made for, and they, they in fairness, they had a guest curator um, who's a young Aboriginal poet and she got to set some panels and, and choose some people to be on it and she did an amazing job but I'm not entirely sure that what she was the intent she was going for which was to take the conversation further and stop having these sort of 101 discussions about how to write Aboriginal stories mm. or or how to I don't know how to participate in Aboriginal literature canon I'm not sure that it did actually skip those first basic questions and that that's kind of disappointing but maybe as we go on I mean it's a new it's a new director so for me I think um I didn't the theme I think was uh broadly interpreted which is great I thought the guests were really interesting like Lauren said but I think actually it was the audience that let it down for me some of the Q&As were just you're like, you know what, if it's a Q&A, you don't have to stand up because you think no one's going to stand up to ask questions. Like, yeah. if you have a stupid question, just don't do it. Mm. <laughs> um, You've and taken were... up somebody else's yeah, time. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I've, I've never been to a an event which has had an effective Q&A, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, that's true. It's very hard that's to true. ask questions, and I don't think people... Most of the people who ask questions at Elan World Trust, yeah. at Teen Vogue, I will were say really the Q&A good. there was good. Because um, they read Teen Vogue. Yeah, <laughs> and um I actually because I got up to ask a question and I didn't get time but somebody who I know who was like at the front of the line went to give me her place because she thought that I'd have a more insightful question than her which that's really nice and and she, she's, and she's quite, right because I'm a little bit no fancy. and I was I was going to it was say a fancy question and um and quite a big risk for her because I'm not sure that mine anyway somebody else got to go like got that last spot the last question and it was, was it was fantastic. way better than mine fantastic I'm so end. glad that I didn't get to ask mine because I'd have been embarrassed <laughs> like that question about like she was asking about like how do you how do you actually kind of face those microaggressions every day and and sort of stay resilient oh, um, good question. and yeah oh, how great and just tell well um, Walter Roth kind of talked about like, you know, don't, don't feel like you've got to get in every fight, um, oh, choose your battles, you know, choose your battles and all that kind of stuff, which was really good. She goes, and you look like a really nice person who doesn't want to get in confrontations. And the girl's like, no, I love confrontations. <laughs> wow. This is the best. She like, took her earrings out. And I was like, let's yeah. do this. I was like, yeah, no, cool. Cause I want to hear about like, if you're someone who wants yeah. to confront things, how do you do that? It's awesome. And so it was, yeah. Um, hopefully there'll be a podcasted version of that's that of one that I would um, check it out. Like, check it out. out. It was really it. good. What a great piece of advice. Pick your battles, but you know, actually pick them. Actually, go into battle. Just yeah. pick yeah. the ones that you can that you can uh, win yeah, and that are worth fighting. Energy for, I think. Yeah. As well. So one last question: Next year's Writers Festival. Who is one guest that you would love to see? Alyssa Cole. Oh wow! Yes. Ambitious. Yes. That so ambitious. So good. Um, we're all just contemplating that possibility right now. <laughs> all I can think about is, okay, no, I have a really good one. Okay. I'd love, love, love to see Samantha B. 
Oh, really? Okay. Samantha Bee, yeah. Oh, okay. I'd like to see Samantha Bee. I'd like to know what it's like to be the only female late night host who's doing like a political show who's up against the John Olivers and Stephen Colbert's and Jimmy Fallon's. I think she would just be really interesting because she's got the background right um, with The Daily Show. Like, what was it like in the, in the Daily Show writer's room? What's it like in, in the full frontal writer's room now? Because she actually has a really – I'd actually like a panel with her and her all of her writers because she has a really diverse group of writers working on full frontal with Samantha Bee. Um, so also I'd, I'd also love to hear from her about mental care and, like, how she picks her battles. Mm. So I think she'd be a really great guest. I have an absolutely impossible request, but J.K. Rowling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be a yeah. coup for Sydney writers. Yeah. 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 Your YA day would be amazing. Oh, yeah. my God. I, I, I don't think it'd be y- I don't think it could be teen only, though. I think like, no. I would punch all the teenagers out of the way. Well, here's the thing. Like, it's- <laughs> Sorry, did you <laughs> say punch? No. Did I say punch? No, I don't think so, I said punch. Like, I said this is the anniversary generally. of... Oh, it's the anniversary this year of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, isn't it? It's like yeah. 20, 25 I've got years. my 20-year yeah, Slytherin version of the Philosopher's Stone on order. Well, I think because I think the official anniversary crosses over with Melbourne Writers Festival and I think if she was to come to Melbourne Writers Festival this year for the anniversary she could easily sell out the MCG like oh, easily yeah. like they could put up a stage in the middle of the MCG and they would sell tickets faster than anything my only concern with her is that she keeps going back and oh, like yeah. changing or well, not changing but giving additional information about her character that makes that are diverse. just really annoying and, like, interesting no, no it's like post like, it's, it's, it's like, post work yeah, yeah. she yeah. really is work like she's writing her dumbledore own really is, fiction yeah, yeah. yeah dumbledore really is gay i'm sorry i didn't make that explicit for anyone out there yeah. who would have really appreciated hearing that but also i yeah. mean like look i don't care that ron is the worst like don't tell me that Ron and Hermione are... Ron is not what? the worst. No, no, no. Oh what? Finish that sentence. Annoying. Finish that sentence. What? She, she's like, oh, I regret putting them together. Yeah, that's and the worst. Yeah, that, that was, that's oh. the stupidest no, thing I, I said. I, I love that, that Because, moment. you know, the worst, though, is Cho Chang. What the? Oh, well, yeah. Cho what? Chang. Yeah. What do you mean Cho Chang was the worst? No, no as, because she's, like, she's the only, she's the oh, only diverse representation in it. Avadi Patel. Yeah. Yeah. Lee Jordan. With the like, actual arc. There's oh, a yeah. wonderful slam poet who does who uh, yes, does the, yes, like yes, 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 yes. like mm. the, the Cho Chang. Oh, please look up on YouTube like poet Cho Chang because she absolutely letter, rips yeah, into a it. A letter to Cho Chang. It's amazing, and it completely points it out that like the one diverse representation, and you don't even get the surname right for you know. She's got yeah. two surnames. Cho, as her, yeah. yeah, and she's Cho is a surname. and she's like yeah. Scottish yeah. as well. So like Could you oh, Welsh. Oh, Welsh or Scott. Oh, just look up <laughs> poetry, Cho Chang. It's an incredible slam poetry. I mean, I don't mind that she's Welsh because, like, there are certainly not white people in, yeah. in Wales. I love I that she's Welsh. Welsh yeah. land. <laughs> I wow. love in the movie when I'm she so starts talking oh, with her Welsh. It was, it's yeah. amazing. I love that moment. Yeah, so do I. Who would you uh, pick? Like, I'm going to say his Piquet because I missed yeah. her this year because I'm an yeah. idiot. I feel I like that is it. totally your fault. And like, I know. Under I'm aware. Listen, can you understand that I'm a person who lives with my regrets? Like, I live every day with the knowledge that <laughs> I am not going to see her. And I'm not going to say marry her because that's too intense. Don't rub it in, guys. Oh, Don't they rub it in. bully me all the time with it. Like, they like, oh she my God, you should but herself. We went to the late night event. We even spoke to her. We had a conversation. She looks with so her amazing. for like almost an hour. This is like fuck up. Like, I don't want to know. I don't want to. I literally don't want to know. Don't tell me. I don't want about ice we skating. Haven't. We need to leave this space skating. now. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. Right. One guest. I she said Elizabeth. Oh, oh, you yeah. haven't picked yeah. one yet. Um, so mine is Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Oh my god. Actually, I don't want to like betray Cat, but 
<laughs> yeah, no, screw Samantha B. I want Lin Manuel Miranda. Yes. Oh my god. And on that note, artist. thank you guys for joining us in this episode. Thank you. Thank you. That's all we have time for in this episode. Huge thanks to our amazing audio producer, Rudy Bremer. You can find the show notes at bookthingo.com.au slash podcast. Just click on episode 35. And if you enjoy the show, you can help support us by leaving a review on iTunes or just telling all your reader friends to give us a try. In the next episode, we'll bring you our much-anticipated interview with Courtney Milan. I promise you it's worth the wait. Until then, I hope you have a fabulous fortnight of reading.